does, do these microplastics and nanoplastics uh, precipitate? Do they, you know, go up into the clouds and fall as rain? There's a new surface actually, which I'm not sure who's who's doing it. They actually um, can calculate how much plastic is in rainwater. Uh, for example, to to inform the, the, the people, oh, watch out today, there's more plastic than the authorized amount or there's less. I've never, ever heard anybody talk about plastic in rain. So yes. that's a subject we need to get out there, Gianni. Um, it is quite urgent. It is quite urgent. Yeah, man, look, once people find out that it's raining plastic, you know, <laughs> if we can't get action, then we never will, right? Oh, God. Mad, isn't it, what we're doing to ourselves? Hello, and welcome to Rethink What Matters, the podcast dedicated to aligning the economy with the ecology and everyone for improved business performance, stronger families, and a greener, cooler planet. And today I'm joined by Gianni Valenti, president and founder of Gaia First and TEDx speaker, and we're discussing ocean plastic pollution. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. And thank you for the invitation. Uh, but it's great to be speaking with somebody who's got Gaia in their company name, if you like. Um, so yeah, perhaps we could start off there, actually, if you don't mind, Gianni. Could you explain to everybody what Gaia is? Well, yes. Well, Gaia is... Um, actually, the name Gaia comes from... It, it's a goddess. It's a Greek goddess. It's one of the origins of, uh, of all the gods, which is actually the personification of the world. So that's why it, it, it represents the world in general and mother of everything, mother of uh, people, life, air and water and everything else. So I decided to call the, com- the, the NGO because it's an NGO. I decided to call it Gaia first because um, I wanted to highlight the importance of putting uh, the interests of our share, shared home, our world before our own personal or business interests because uh, it's the same kind of way you're, you you place your podcast uh, I believe that if we all thrive if the environment thrives we can all keep on thriving and thrive even better okay. and I believe it's also there's also the Gaia Theory by James Lovelock there's a book that was written back in 1960s where he sort of came up with this idea that the whole world is interconnected that uh, the ecosystems, the biosphere, you know, the animals, the plants, uh, the oceans, it's all interconnected with the weather as well, with the atmosphere. And it's a single living, breathing, you know, organism. People didn't believe that the world was just one interconnected organism. I know what you're talking about, but I have to say that this is exactly what the situation is right now. And more and more studies actually uh, confirm how species interact with uh, for example, the the presence of wolves interact with the with the forms with the with the shape and the and the geographical outlines of rivers of wood forests and everything else. So how everything is interlinked. So uh, it is like that. We are hosts of a living organism. If you could tell us then about the work of Gaia First, what you're doing there. So Gaia First is uh, is an NGO registered in Paris and in miami so we have two legal entities and we act main it's an ngo so it's a non-profit company 
so we act mainly in two different uh, ways. One is awareness making. So we do a lot of presentation, company presentation, company operations in schools, uh, documentaries. We collaborated with a documentary, Canadian documentary that is coming out right now. Uh, very important. Um, so we take uh, we we present at the international conferences with the United Nations and, and more business related ones. This is awareness that making. We do a lot of cleanups worldwide. We have about uh, 13 different countries that we do cleanups simultaneously uh, throughout the year, several times throughout the years. So and this is the awareness making. Um, the other one, the other side that we're doing that we're acting on is, is the largest ocean cleaning operation in a sustainable manner. And that we are working with external um, experts on the field and we are designing ships that can go into the high waters, into the open ocean and um, collect the plastic, floating plastic and convert it into hydrogen. And we use this hydrogen to self-element uh whole processes so that we can stay seaborne and avoid going back and forth and wasting millions of tons of uh, gas oil and wasting time mainly and not being able to collect large quantities and what's the, what would be the mission of gaia first or vision well the vision of gaia first is the first step is actually to make sure that there are at least two of these ships running in a very short term because with just two ships in five years we can clear out the greatest garbage patch which is the size of three times the size of france of garbage that floats and it's not just wrapping papers and uh, and uh bottle caps we're talking about the the garbage in the garbage great garbage patches yeah. 80 between 80 and 90 percent is from the fishing industry so we're talking about nets we're talking about floaters we're talking about uh very intrusive uh, materials that remain in the in the open ocean and continue fishing continue killing so it's very very important we get rid of those there are many other problems associated with this kind of plastic uh which maybe we'll talk about later okay did you say that there's large contribution from the fishing industry towards the uh, plastic pollution? Did I miss Absolutely. It? Yeah, there is a, it's primarily uh, the, the pollution that we find in the high waters, which is one of the most polluting type of uh, pollution that we find in the ocean in general, is actually, it's coming directly from the fishing industry. It's what's uh, called the um, lost or discarded fishing gear. ALDFGs, and there has been um, uh, meetings and discussions and conferences just dedicated on that. So that's how important it is. So there is the there's the Pacific garbage patch, isn't there? So can you tell us a little bit about that? What that is? So in in general, there are, there are five garbage patches. I would say six because I would include the Mediterranean area as a dispersed garbage patch. It's one of the most um, uh, used traffic uh, and and fished seas in the world, and there's a lot right. of waste there too. But so what happens is the garbage patches is really is mainly the accumulation of garbage through tidal currents and and winds. Um, so they have a tendency of remaining in these areas that are called ocean gyres. Ocean gyres is where currents uh, concentrate and and um, let's say focus in one single spot. 
So you have this, um, you have this action that actually collects the floating garbage that is lost around thousands and thousands of kilometers in the in the ocean. So it regroups that. It doesn't regroup in islands. It regroups in uh, small spots, it's like little icebergs of materials. But mm -hmm. um, on garbage patches areas, it's it's quite. Uh, it's quite noticeable and quite heavy, the, the amount of material that there is. Right, okay, just how big a problem is ocean plastic pollution? So uh, we, we've done a, a research where actually we didn't do the research ourselves, but we have collected a lot of data uh, from all the research, scientific researches that have been done. Um, so let's say that, um, because we wanted to quantify the action that Gaia First uh, would have in social, on social scales, on economic scales, and and other kind of humankind scales as well. And this is some of the numbers, some of the numbers, of course. So the action of cleaning up ocean plastic from the high waters would have um, $38.4 trillion worth of phytoplankton repopulations. This is just the action that Gaia first would have in five years. 650 tons of microplastic particles avoided, 300,000 turtles and marine mammals saved from death, four times the, uh, the power of the Amazon rainforest of the oxygen production and um, uh, fixing of carbon. Uh, on, the, on the economy level, we would have a $9.7 billion in yearly value generated from waste management in isolated areas, uh, $3.3 billion yearly in uh, prevention in tourism loss, if this was not done. Uh, so we have $510 million per year of uh, biodiversity protection benefits, $370 million in damages and losses avoided in the maritime and fishing industry. So we would help even the fishing industry. Right. And the maritime transport industry, $245 million yearly in fishing revenue loss prevented. So we would prevent also that. Uh, and humankind is in social impact is 25% of global population directly affected because they live on the, on the near the sea. And you have 2.5 billion antibiotic resistant infection prevented. Because I will explain, if you want, I will explain how we do that. I can explain all these numbers. And 59 million jobs related uh, that will be, uh, that will benefit from our actions. That means that we will save 59 million people going jobless. Wow, awesome. those are amazing figures. I did do, I've done a couple of other podcasts, one on marine conservation with Alexandra Fora of Ocean Culture Life in Jersey. You know, and she was saying how, you know, they go onto the beaches to pick up litter and plastic. And same with um, Kathy Shi. I did a podcast on ecotourism. Um, she's with the Dorsal Effect in Singapore. And she, has, she said exactly the same thing. You know, they go onto the beaches to do these litter picking and I think, I suppose, plastic picking up projects. So it is a worldwide problem, isn't it? 
So yes, it it is important. It is important worldwide and on the local area to actually interact and take participation, take action into doing these things. There's some differences I would like to make though. Uh, litter picking from beaches is different from the litter that you find in the middle of the ocean. Litter that you will find on the beaches comes from land. That means it's mismanaged waste or is just washed out waste that uh, was not uh, correctly um, serviced. So what happens is it, it goes into the local areas and then with waves and currency goes back into land. Most of it sinks to the bottom and that hasn't, that's another problem. But uh, what's left, it goes back to the land and can be picked up. And that's very important, okay? But where this cannot be done is in the high waters. And the high waters right. being on top of being a very important biodiversity threat because it kills directly, it's, it hosts um, resistant bacteria and virulent uh, patho uh, pathogenic microorganisms. <laughs> you see, the sea sterilizes itself. Okay, sterilizes all kind of pathogenic uh, uh, presence. But the the fact that you have the slums, you have this kind of soups of uh, of plastic in the middle of the sea. This actually helps um, the communities uh, of uh, these uh, bacteria, of these viruses and bacteria, to grow stronger and more resistant. And this actually afterwards enters the food chain and this is the primary cause of resistant of antibiotic resistant uh, diseases outbreaks and even pandemics so we had the pandemics as you know the covid-19 soon yeah. there might be other ocean related pandemics what do we know what percentage of this plastic pollution is bobbing around on the surface versus sinking to the bottom or just floating around in the oceans somewhere Yes, well, it's, it's estimated that we have 1% floating on the top and 99% at the bottom of the ocean. So, uh, I wish I hadn't asked that question there. I know, it's terrible. Uh, we, uh, unfortunately, there's no way that we can reach uh, those depths because in some places it's 4,000 kilometers. And as we have seen with the Titanic 2, the submarine that exploded, uh, it, they're, they're not easy depths uh, to reach. So, um, it, it, it's a massive problem. We do not know so, what's happening in the ecosystem down there. We just know that the 1% that is affecting, that it remains on the surface, it's incredibly um, it's affecting the whole uh, biodiversity sphere, locally yeah. and internationally, because that plastic will become microplastic. And once it's microplastic, it will vector all kind of um, chemical compounds, toxins, uh, not just through food, but also through rain and through wind and through all kind of uh, all kind of uh, propagation of uh, of the molecules. Right, right, right. So, what are microplastics? If you could just explain that for us. Yes, my, microplastic is the degradation of plastic. Plastic doesn't biodegrade; it doesn't disappear. Um, well, let's say it's not readily digested now. More and more, there are organisms we find are mushrooms, there are bugs that can actually digest plastic. Uh, but the, the process is quite slow, and usually it's on land and not in the sea. So, what happens is uh, plastic with the wind, with the water, with the sun 
breaks down into smaller and smaller fragments until it becomes so small, which is called, which reaches the level of uh, microplastic, and it gets, it can get even smaller to become what's called nanoplastic. And it, it's so small, it's certain, uh, it's just a few microns of thickness that it can, can actually transpass the membranes of protection membranes of the body, which can be skin, but also cellular. So what happened is nowadays we can find microplastic in blood and in the human milk. Okay. Right, really. You found it. We can find microplastics, not even nanoplastics, in milk. Microplastic, exactly. So, and besides that, we can find it in, in the North Pole. We can find it in the snow of Himalaya. We can find it in the Mariana Trench. Plastic. I just wanted to say the 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 problem with plastic is not that. Uh, the plastic itself, because plastic, it's, an, it's inert, it's slightly inert. Okay, so microplastics would be, in theory, inert. The problem is with plastic, it, it acts as a sponge, so it actually absorbs all kind of um, hydrophobic molecules. What are hydrophobic molecules? Molecules that do not dissolve into water, they actually repel water. And what kind of molecules these are? These are, for example, um, insecticides, uh, hormone disrupting molecules, um, uh, growth uh, deregulation molecules, and all kind of uh, toxins of that kind. Um, most of the toxins that we produce, uh, for example, for the um, clothing industry, but also for the food industry, for the uh, agricultural industry, for everything, instead of being just uh, uh, released into nature, it's it's absorbed. But this microplastic that mm -hmm. is in nature. Mm -hmm. And through these microplastics, it accumulates on the apex predators, which is us. Right. So that's why uh, we become the collectors of all the garbage, micro garbage and microtoxins that we're actually producing. And what 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 um, what links have been made between these microplastics that you know that we're all ingesting, um, absorbing, and you know the diseases that many people suffer with well there is um, a certain well it's quite evident there's there are loads of research concerning about um, fertility loss uh, growth problems uh, cancers generations um, um, puberty deregulations you know we have more and more children that have uh, an advanced puberty uh, or deregulated puberty line and this okay. is directly linked to the use of plastics and the microplastics. Now, just, I don't want to be alarming, but what we find today as in microplastic in our bodies and in the environment is the degradation of plastic that was made 20 years ago. Since right. then, we, the production of plastic has not doubled, has four times augmented. And right. that is all the importance of cleaning where this actually accumulates, which is in the high waters, because although in land accumulates, but in a way we can still control that in the high waters, we cannot. So that will become automatically microplastic in the next 10 years, and we will be right. full everywhere. Does the, do these microplastics and nanoplastics uh, precipitate? Do they you know, go up into the clouds and fall as rain? Yes, in fact, there is a, there is a new... Um, there's a new service, actually, which I'm not sure who's, who's doing it, but uh, they have tried to uh, use it here in Paris, is the plastic uh, meteor. 
they actually um, can calculate how much plastic is in rainwater. Uh, for example, to to inform the, the the people, watch out today. There's more plastic than the, the authorized amount, or there's less. So it's it's actually a real problem, quantifiable. So yes, I've it's never, it's all over the place. Ever, I've never ever heard anybody talking about plastic in rain. So yes, that's a subject we need to get out there, Gianni. Um, it, it is quite urgent. It is quite urgent. Yeah, man. Look, you, once people find out that it's raining plastic, you know, <laughs> if we can't get action, then we never will, right? Oh, God, <laughs> mad, isn't it? What we're doing to ourselves? Yeah, okay. well, because it, it's gradual, so we don't really see the asteroid coming, is it? Well, we want to have to don't look up that film exactly, but yeah. you know, you know, as soon as you start telling people it's raining plastic, that's surely. If you've got research, is there is there research out there that shows it's raining plastic? Is, does that exist? Yes, yes. Okay, cool. You know, the, the other thing we have to do is we have to be we have to create a positive vision of the world here. Otherwise, no, everyone freezes and they don't do anything. So, well, yeah. But the positive, there I, is a positive I, thing because we know this. So, I, the, the important thing is to understand that plastic is not the evil monster. It's just that the conception of it was badly done because we only thought on a short term. But what we have to start doing is thinking long term. So maybe re, uh, restructure a new plastic uh, element in order that we we take in consideration a full circularity of it and not just use it and then it disappears. So to what extent are new plastics being created to, you know, that don't degrade in a way which is harmful to, you know, the ocean's life, life on Earth? All right. So there are developing things uh, or, or more like it's scientists and uh, other researchers are trying to find new type of plastic to enter new market segments um, because the industry is very well tied to the cheap production of plastic, which is ever so cheap and ever so fast because plastic is malleable, it's easy. Right. And even if there are limitations, we can go around limitations with new new types of plastics that just contour problems. Now, the real power is it's not in, uh, in administrations, is in the hands of people, of consumers, because more consumers will choose different methods of packaging, different plastics, different solutions, then the market will adapt and then if the market adapts and finds new solutions, then it is the market itself that's going to push administration to incremental solutions. So are there, are there plastics being made which aren't made from hydrocarbons? Yes, there are some plastics made from hydrocarbons. Uh, algaes are very good options. Uh, mushrooms, uh, skeleton, uh, exoskeletons of insects, <laughs> that's also, or in crustaceans as well. Of course, then we have another problem. But uh, um, I think th these are all very promising, but we have to really push it. And people, consumers have to push the request for them. Because without that, uh, production prices are going to be way too high compared to the, to the plastic ones, uh, to the standard plastic ones. So to what extent can we monetize this problem of um, plastic pollution? Um, taking this, this, the plastic, for example, that you're, you know, you're collecting up there and, and monetizing it, finding, you know, uses for it in creating new polymers, for example. 
Uh, this is exactly what we're doing. We're doing in the high waters, we are collecting it and we are breaking it uh, through uh, chemical recycling, let's call it like this. We are, or also pyrolysis. We are breaking the structure, molecular structure and we are extracting hydrogen. So we're actually producing hydrogen energy from plastic. What can, this can be done in the high waters, can also be done on, on, on land. And there, there are possibilities, there are already companies doing it, but you can also um you can also break down the molecular structure of plastic into ethylene which is the basic building block of any type of plastic so that could be another way of reusing the the, the molecular structure of plastic into something else yeah you know, and, and about... just to tell you that those land fills usually they're they have they have a plastic lining that goes at the bottom of it to prevent uh, liquids escaping and, and polluting everything else. The problem is they were made 20 years ago. And 20 years ago, uh, th that's the timeline of plastic before it starts really to degrade to degrade and fragment. So in the next few years, we're going to see the breaking day of the leakages of this massive containers. And uh, that's that's when things might become a little bit more urgent. Okay. You did mention the sources of plastic pollution at the beginning of the podcast, because I know that fishermen came up, but can we just revisit that again? Who are the main contributors of plastic pollution? Are there oh, different countries? Are there different industries? Uh, where, where do we need to start to make the uh, We have impact? packaging, food and beverage, consumer goods, uh, everything that is connected with uh, consumers. That's one of the biggest plastic uh, production uh, industries is consumer goods. And that's why consumers have the power to change that. The other industry is the fishing industry. That's another massive problem. Uh, and there, again, the consumers can choose not to eat less fish and to, to change their diets and stuff. But it's really also down to uh, rules and regulations and uh, controls which is a little bit more difficult. So it, it, it's not a simple, simple task to, to do. Is it, to what extent is it a result of people not disposing of their litter or their plastic properly? So there are other two points that are very important with the, with the recycling, uh, with the wrong side of the recycling of uh, bottles. Is because the first one, it's us, um, we have one PET bottle re being regenerated within 10 different uh, PET bottles. The first PET bottle that maybe could have contained some um, um, a neurotoxin, like for example, uh, insecticide. This insecticide will be inside the material and therefore will be also present in the, the 10 regenerated new bottles that maybe this time will hold water for drinking. This is one problem. Second problem is the product, the, the actual recycling system itself produces microplastic in a very high level. So although you're recycling plastic, you're producing a lot more uh, microplastic, which is then let into the environment through the waterways. And everything in the end will end up in the landfills or disposed anyway. And, and also recycling has a, has a timeline in the sense that you cannot recycle something a hundred times. You can only recycle it once or twice. Then the material, the, the physical structure is so um, it's changed so much through the process of uh, recycling that it will not be useful anymore for that kind of purpose. 
So uh, that's that's to be uh, accounted for uh, as a as a as a problem with recycling. And also bear in mind that recycle we do not recycle what is there recyclable because most of it is disposed uh, not properly, so we lose it. Uh, secondly, it's too contaminated to be to be used within recycling systems, and three, the volume is too high. We do not have the capability of recycling everything that could be recycled. So on one side, we have way too much recyclable material that cannot be handled. On the other side, uh, even more is not even recycled, taken into consideration. So what's happening in the end, out of all the recyclability, only two or three percent is actually recycled. So you're obviously having to operate in international waters, aren't you, where there are no agreements? You know, for anything, how much does that affect your work? Well, first of all, uh, there are some agreements in international waters. Is the IMO, which is inter in international maritime organization, that does set rules and regulation. So there are some rules and regulation on, on set up. The problem is that there's nobody to control it. So that's why everybody. Because you're not allowed to throw garbage in the high waters. You're not allowed to wash your tanks in the high waters. But people do because there's no control. So uh, yeah. it, it's not really that lo the loss of regulation is the loss of control and, and uh, monitoring. Um, th this on one side is quite a problem because it produces uh, the far west in the high waters. On the other side, actually, uh, it would help certain things like advancing on uh, recycling high-grade recycling possibilities such as what we're doing with pyrolysis producing hydrogen because this is on the contrary on land it's uh, it's halted bureaucratically because it does produce energy from waste in a clean way so let's say there are other interests that uh, may be halted so what would you say the five things are that we would need to focus on in order to eradicate you know, ocean plastic pollution? Well, first of all, I would say change consumer habits. I think that's the key. So um, in general, uh, avoid to the extent that a diet can, can allow it, uh, a balanced diet, diet can allow it. Avoid um, meat and fish because it's also linked to plastic uh, usage and uh, uh, the, the, the destruction on the environment in general. So fish and meat, uh, reduce it to a minimum amount. Secondly, um, consumer goods, try to buy with less amounts of uh, single-use plastic in packaging. So try to buy either big portions or try to buy uh, non-containers uh, solutions. There are some shops that you can just go and buy, for example, grains or lentils or pasta or whatever out of, out of uh, a plastic thing, plastic, a glass container. Um, that and uh, try to reuse plastic, even uh, single-use plastic, uh, and look for alternatives. If there are any alternatives, choose those alternatives. Mm -hmm. um, which of course are intelligent alternatives, um, try to use them because the simple fact of choosing them helps markets shift. So 
we have the the, the power of uh, what what I call the credit card as is what actually we can control and uh, change the world we live in through the way we spend it. Yeah, do you have a good news story for us? Is something you can share with us that's going well? Yes, there's a very good story. It's actually there are several things that are coming up. There's more and more attention that's been the, brought into the to the to the situation which was kind of denied before or hidden. Now there is the International High Waters Treaty that is uh, coming to terms in the in the world in the United Nations and that has grouped everybody. Um, there is the, a very good news that Gaia First is there and uh, we're fighting side by side for you. So I am promoting anybody to join us and follow us on, on our social media. Um, there, are, there are things moving and uh, because we know the dangers and because we're now showing, uh, showcasing all the interlinks, I think this is giving uh leverage and this is giving interest for people to do th things differently now we're an intelligent species and as we have uh, intelligently destroyed uh, our future we can now intelligently repair it and make it more profitable for everybody and are you seeing uh governments you you mentioned the international high water protection treaty are you seeing governments reacting then positively to you know the problem of ocean plastic pollution and passing new laws and policies and regulations to help yes yes of course there is uh there's more and more attention to it of course details of this treaty has still have to be confirmed and this should be done in may next year um, but there's already an intent and there's already funds dedicated to to this uh, protection treaty. So there is really an engagement with the governments and administrations worldwide, which is uh, very important. Why? Because the populations have become more aware. People have become more aware mm -hmm. thanks to podcasts like yours, uh, internet, social media. And this makes a real social pressure on the administrations so it's not them that just woke up and they said it's it's fine it's us who have actually woken up and said hey we have to do something and they have to react that's great and are you seeing businesses also following suit and changing the way that they they implement packaging themselves yes yes i'm noticing a lot uh, especially on the luxury brands which is uh, very encouraging i see a lot of luxury brands that are ditching uh plastic and uh, uh mono usage um packaging systems um we, it's very encouraging because it's is the fa is the the high fashion is the is the leading market in terms of uh, communication because since it's luxury it 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 sets a standard and then everybody else tries to mimic that standard, try to mimic and raise their level to that standard. So they're actually setting the pace, and that's very good. What would be your biggest frustration then, Gianni? Well, the earlier the better. We, uh, for example, we are still uh, not struggling, but we, we are still trying to finalize our 750,000 euros that we need to finalize research and development. This is blocking us. This is blocking our rapid advancement into the uh, creation of the boats. 
So um, frustration may come on the waiting to to collect those funds, uh, but uh, I, I'm I'm positively convinced that uh, people are real heroes. So I I don't I don't worry that the future will be a much prosperous one for everybody. And if people want to help, if they want to reach you, if they want to help Gaia first, you know, uh, on its journey and acquire that next boat, maybe two more boats, um, what, what would they need to do? Where can they find you? How can they reach you? So they can either look online. We are www.gaiafirstaltogether.org, or they can look into our Instagram, which is uh, Gaia, uh, gaia.first. Or we have all the other results. We have Twitter or X. Uh, we have YouTube channel. YouTube channel is full of interesting and informative uh, material. So just uh, but reach out to the website and you can find contacts. And you can contact me. Thank you very much, Johnny, for your time and helping us to better understand um, the, the real problem that ocean, the plastic is causing in the oceans. You know the real problem of ocean plastic pollution. Thanks very much for your time, Johnny. Okay, thank you, Paul, and I uh, hope you've been uh, quite helpful here.